you see what is happening is majority of Ghanaians who do not know that their homophobia is colonial um they are they were quite in favor of this place being shut down they were happy the 21 were arrested majority of Ghanaians but it's because we haven't had the right education to help us to deduce and to protract the future um the next group of people going to be targeted are women um which are hetero women mainly because now um the same person who is the speaker of parliament who is the head of this anti-lgbt bill has also voiced that he's pro-life and you know pro-life is anti-abortion so the next step is to make abortion criminal and then the next step after that is to address improper dressing of women so we're just slowly going in that direction but we do not know Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to episode 83 of the Two Twos podcast. I am Nana. I'm Rose. And together we are Two Twos. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, we have a special guest here in the building. A very special yeah. guest. Listen, guys, we have been waiting for these guests and they have not arrived. <laughs> <laughs> so, introduce yourself. My name is Emmanuel Osubonsu on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm an artist that calls myself One Love the Kubolo. Mm. I am an experiment by Kwame Nkrumah mm-hmm. and my parents, I guess. Kwame Nkrumah sent students to the eastern part of Europe in the 70s. And my father was one of those students. Met my mother in Romania. And they had me. And... Um, yeah, and so I I was born in Romania, but I grew up in Ghana most of my life, and I'm a musician and troublemaker. <laughs> I love it. Talking <laughs> of troublemaking, I watched an interview recently where you said that um, where when you were talking about your parents meeting in Romania, then you made sure you said that they had sex. <laughs> you made sure you said that as well as part of the interview. <laughs> I'm actually in the apartment where I was born, so I didn't want to mention the sex part. <laughs> Because it would have been a bit too close. <laughs> so too thank close, you. Yeah. Thank you for this. Because they've been in this living room or in the next room uh, or something. It's definitely not the living room. Let's just say it's Probably. not the living room. <laughs> okay, let's just say. <laughs> but yeah, all right, cool. Thanks um, for letting the people know. Even your artistry. Like maybe you can tell us a bit more about your artistry and, you know, what inspires you and everything like that as well. I want to know, yeah, why you call yourself One Love. Because mm. I love the name. But I want to know why you picked it. When I was in high school, the first nickname I remember having, well, my my parents and my aunts have a nickname for me, which is Abu Dukaki. And Abu Dukaki is how I used to say autobus, which is bus in Romanian. Autobus, like autobus. But I could never pronounce autobus when I was a kid, and I would always say Abu Dukaki instead of (laughs) autobus. So that's m- well, my first nickname. My second nickname was in high, s- in junior high. It was Spooky. Spooky because I wasn't paying attention in my literature class and they were talking about the Phantom of the Opera. And I was paying attention. They thought I wasn't paying attention, sorry. And when they finally thought they had caught me off guard, the professor, and said, 
hey, Emmanuel also what were we talking about? And I turned around, I said something spooky because it was Phantom of the Opera, blah, yeah. blah. <laughs> and yeah. the professor did not know the meaning of the word spooky. They mm. thought it was like cat- a cartoon or something. So they were about to lash me, the colonial way of punishing, of course, with a cane on my back. Wow. And the students all started protesting. They were like, no, in the classroom, they were like, no, spooky is what you were talking about because half of the students knew what spooky was. And so from that day on, they were calling me spooky. It's a long story, eh? Okay, <laughs> then I I was using the name spooky to rap till... I started rapping professionally and by then I wanted a name that brought about unity but it was also partly egoistical because I heard almost every artist say one love when they went on stage. Mm. Sizzler, Talib Kweli, Lauren Hill, Nas. Um, a lot of people go and say, say one love, one love, one mm-hmm. love. I was like, that's dope. It was a name. So I took it as my name. I mean, Bob Marley had one love as well. So that's how I got one love. It's a long story, but mm-hmm. yeah. I like that. I yeah, because like even my girlfriend yeah. was asking, you have to ask him where the name came from. I need to know where it came from. <laughs> yeah, then later I added Kubolo. Um, Kubolo is a name I had. I was called a lot growing up in Ghana um, because Kubolo is like a truant, a kid that doesn't stay at home yeah. or in class or in church. Those three important colonial grounds. <laughs> um, so Kubolo has a negative connotation to the colonial elitist class but to the resistance uh, or to the freedom fighters kubolo actually means like adventurer explorer you know mm-hmm. indigenous kind of yeah so i added kubolo later because i really love um canaan's monica Mm-hmm. Kanan from Somalia, Canada. He was called. He called himself the Dusty Foot Philosopher, and I was really, I really loved that. So he was Kanan, the Dusty Foot Philosopher, and I was like, I can't just be one love. I have to be one love. There's something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So finally, Kubolo came along in Los Angeles. I was, I got off stage, and some Ghanaians came to me after a performance, and said, "Wow, from the things you're rapping about, I can see you were Kubolo when you were a child." And I was like, "Wow, <laughs> I haven't heard that name in a long time." I just added it to one love. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Love mm-hmm. that. Love, I love that there's meaning behind the name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. But cool. Let's get into the um our little icebreaker. So we're going to play a game. Okay. Um, and the game is called This or That. So what it is, we'll just basically say, give you two options and you tell us which one you, pr- mm-hmm. you prefer. And that's it. So I think okay. um, we should have a, maybe a literally a Ghanaian edition. And mm. for example, let's just say Tampico or Fan Ice Yogurt. <laughs> Screwing up his face. Yeah. Oh, so Tampico to me tastes like Omo, like soapy water. <laughs> and yogurt gives me phlegms. Like the, I do like the vanilla, but mm-hmm. none of those two. Do you know what I don't like? But if I had well. to choose, if it was like a life and death thing i'll mm-hmm. i'll choose the yogurt but it's mm-hmm. not my yeah i won't be happy i won't be smiling eating it that's <laughs> for sure. is it the pink one the pink yogurt yeah yeah it's okay, it's okay. i don't like fat yeah. ice but i feel a lot of people when they come from you don't the like UK, fun ice no i don't like <laughs> why a lot of people when they come from the uk and then they go there's like fun ice is the thing they go in there to look forward to to have really? I, mean, I, I can eat like 
I don't want to like okay, but I can eat a lot of them, <laughs> a lot, because I buy the tub and I finish it by my the huge ass tub. Mm. But it's too expensive now. I think I'm not into yogurt and ice cream that much. That's why. Ah, uh, okay. That, what about sorbet? I haven't had that one. Oh, sorbet. No, I don't. I'm not into sorbet either. Oh, okay, okay. You just, but I do like cold things. Um, not really. <laughs> not really. I okay, like iced so, coffee. Okay. I do like, like iced coffee. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. So mm. But it's liquid. It's not frozen. Yeah, oh. yeah. Okay. It's liquid. No, no. Fair enough. Have you ever uh, been to the North Pole? <laughs> have you? I'm, I'm just <laughs> doing you? like. <laughs> no, I'm doing. I well, I've been to like the north of Denmark and stuff, so it's close. Yeah, but I'm just trying to see if she has something against ice and snow. And oh, stuff. Do you know, I I hate it when it snows. You would never see me outside. I'm staying indoors. Oh, I don't like the snow. See, so we are entering a different realm. Yeah, <laughs> fufu or banku. Wow, man, so it's depends. very heavy. We're going very. It heavy. is heavy, literally <laughs> as well. Both, but I do not like the process of eating. I do not enjoy the process. So I like fufu because I just like swallow the whole thing into my body and right. deal with it later. <laughs> Banku, if you swallow it the way you swallow fufu, you would choke. Mm. Yeah. And so I'll say fufu. No, I enjoy fufu actually. I do. It's cool. I don't like the Ghanaian fufu, so I don't like it. They make it with... Um, but that's the original uh, fufu. You don't like the original yeah, fufu. Yeah, I don't like it. Do you know, I don't like the bit... I don't like bits and stuff. Like, even in my plante, my cocoa, I take out, the, like, the middle part. So, I don't like that. For that reason, oh, okay. I don't really eat fufu. They don't do it well, then. They, you haven't gone to yeah, a well if they really pound it well, the, you wouldn't the, feel that in there. Yeah. Mm. If they really... Uh, maybe I don't want to mess up, like, your family relations, but... <laughs> no, They're making fine. it... If they really care about you, the final pounding with a smaller pestle mm-hmm. is when you take out all those things and they make it really smooth and fine. Right. So right. check the family. <laughs> I'm going to ask for that next time. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so yeah, we asked yeah. for. I like Banku. I like Banku all the time. Banku every single day. I like okra stew. I mean, I, think, I don't think yeah. I've eaten Banku for about maybe, like, 15 years... What? A very long time since I've had eaten any fufu. Wow. Banku is. I wouldn't want to be in your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Banku, I will a have. Fufu-less that. stomach. Mm-mm. I haven't had it for a long time. Yeah, no, Banku is. Banku is nice. I mean, I like Banku with some stuffs, but actually. Mm-hmm. Banku is quite versatile, though. It goes with soup, it goes yeah. with pepper, yeah. it goes with sugar. Okay, I haven't Sugar. had that one before. <laughs> 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 I, was I was checking. No, but you can mash it. You know, you can mash it like kinky and mix it with sugar and take it like a cereal. That one oh. sounds. It becomes mad. cuckoo. Oh, like okay, cuckoo. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like cuckoo either. Oh wow. man! <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah. So, what about banku ice cream, though? A banku what? ice cream. No, I'm just because she doesn't. Are you having us on? Are you? They don't. Are you, are you joking? There's no banku ice cream. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm just checking. I'm so done. I'm no, so no, done. No. Yeah. What about? Do you remember the lady Mami Dokunu? And <laughs> yeah, what's the guy from Taxi Driver? What's his name? Was it TK? Okay, so Taxi Driver, you're gonna lose me there. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Because I've even met him and they were like, that's the guy in Taxi Driver. But I missed that whole era of mm-hmm. TV. Ah, uh, yeah. 
So I would say Mami Dokno because she had an impact. Like the by the fireside was super dope. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say definitely Mami Dokno because yeah. I know. I guess yeah. I think Mami Dokno gives me. It reminds me of some good times. I went to see my dad in Kumasi, and okay. I was there for maybe like two or three months. And we used to watch her on TV all the time. And it just gives me back memories from my childhood of being in Ghana mm. and just running around. We would run to the well, get water. And it just reminds me of that era. So, and it was a time where I guess we didn't feel stressed. And we were children, isn't it? So we didn't really feel stressed. We were just uh, having a good time and quite ah, careless. So you are trying to tell me that you are from village? Yeah, but we, we stayed in the village, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We, we stayed there. Uh, our, our father took us there to teach us some lessons. I'm like so done. A peasant? Yeah, we went. It's, it's, um, Rose, it's not a peasant. <laughs> <laughs> we, went there, we went there for three months. My dad said we have to uh, stay in the village and get to know yeah, yeah, it's the necessary. village. <laughs> it's necessary. I mean, it's really colonialism that has made us, you know, like turn, turn things around to where calling someone a villager is an insult instead yeah. of it being a compliment you know mm-hmm. people who live in the village cause the least pollution and eat the most healthy and mm. so on it's just that they don't get the mo- the best amenities or that the environment is polluted by the cities you know yeah mm. but mm-hmm. to be a villager is the dream of every millionaire and billionaire what do they do as soon as they make their money they go and live in the countryside and they, they start do. A well, they drink from the well, sp- natural spring water. Mm-hmm. They deal with horses and goats and live like a, a village life. Mm-hmm. So we are working I guess backwards. They find peace. There's some sort of peace in it. Yeah. One more, I think. Um, Ada or Volta region. That was kind of how did you knew that Ada is Greater Accra region, right? So I don't Adan. know my geography when it comes to Ghana. <laughs> oh, okay. No. So Ada is. Greater Accra region. So, but mm-hmm. if you but the Volta Lake or river, does it go into it? It goes through Adan as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I love the Volta region. Um, I would just spend a couple of weeks there. No, what was that? Yeah, I, was, I mean, I wasn't there for a good reason, but mm-hmm. I was there a few weeks ago, and I also enjoy Adan. But I'll say Adan is like it's more dry, it's more and yet more touristy. Yeah. And the Volta region is more green and not as touristy. So I I, I like the Volta region. But it also depends on the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never been to the Volta region before, but we need to go. Yeah. Yeah, we need to go to the Volta region. That is where Banku comes from, or at least oh, okay. one of the Banku. Oh, okay. The okay. one called Akpala. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you guys wow. say it with me? Akpana. Akpana. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here laughing, but when I try to, when I say the way I say it, people from the water laugh at me. So oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. It's a wow, chain there's of. Yes, yeah, yep. there's levels to it. There's yeah. levels. The art so, is the bottom level. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> at least you know about it, so I don't think it's the bottom level. The bottom <laughs> level is what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. True, true, true. <laughs> That's true. All right, cool. Let's get into the subject now. So on this podcast, Uh we have been trying to raise awareness about what's been going on in Ghana towards the LGBT community, especially with the 21 people who were arrested 
and and are still being oppressed yeah yeah exactly and persecuted and at least we just wanted to like show awareness so that people were aware and were able to join the activism involved what's going on in ghana even though we are abroad and it's difficult to have a bit more of a hands-on approach i guess mm-hmm. there is some sort of activism in spreading the word and just keep spreading mm-hmm. it as wide as we can as well and to keep mm-hmm. showing some sort of solidarity and love to those in ghana um yeah so like if you could give us like a overview of what's been going on and to what the state is like yeah. now and what even started things it feels like obviously yeah. it came out of nowhere it kind of feels like it kind of came out of nowhere so to us anyway that's what it looks like yeah yeah, yeah. i mean if if we think it came out of nowhere it's it's i mean of course we have our lives and different things we focus on but this has been a steady push for time mm. in 1998 i first went to america and i was going to stay with an exchange family and the family had read about ghana right and so one of the host kids which was 15 years old as soon as they picked me up from the airport in austin texas the first thing the kid rusty riley said to me was i read that in ghana you guys walk around the guys walk around holding hands i'm not going to be holding your hand over here in america right and that was the first time i'd received that kind of energy to even think about why he's saying that um then i got exposed to like major homophobia in the united states right especially because i was living in a baptist southern state texas and then it made me realize that these are the same churches that are doing evangelism in africa and if you remember what happened in uganda um that was a southern church that Mm. pushed for the bill the anti-gay bill to actually kill gays and put them on the death sentence in Uganda. And so America, as it has been progressing in its weird ways, has been exporting not only electronic waste and old electronic clothing waste and other kinds of waste to us. They've also been exporting the homophobia they are trying to get rid of in America is getting has been getting into parts of africa as well as ghana so a few months ago when a safe space was opened in ghana by the lgbt rights group ghana rights group um maybe our mistake was somehow making it public and definitely i think i may say somehow but i think it was kind of i guess in the natural flow of resistance and revolution it was going to happen some way but it being public made the homophobia that has been cooking in ghana especially in the churches and in places of religion finally bubbled to the surface to where a group sponsored by these american churches one called the Coalition for Proper Human Reproductive Rights, which is headed by one Moses F. Amwanin, who 
himself is from a marginalized group being an albino mm. um came out and started making a whole lot of noise about this safe space to where the government pressured the embassies that had supported the launch of the safe space to back out of publicly supporting lgbtq rights and of course they got the traditional council involved which threatened the landlord that had rented the space to the LGBT rights Ghana group. And he informed the police of the location and they came and raided the place. It wasn't ordinary police, it was national security. And they said they were shutting it down in the interest of national security because the traditional council in the area of Kwabenya were threatening to come and burn down the place. A lawyer, which was on an interview with me and on Joy TV, uh, on a Joy TV interview, posed a very intelligent situation or scenario to the hosts of the program. They said, the lawyer said, if I threatened to come and burn down your radio station today or the TV station, what do you think the government would do or should do? Should they not rather come and arrest me for making such a threat or relocating you or pro or providing you security so your place cannot be burned down? Mm -hmm. But in this is the case where the government actually came to further oppress the oppressed or the people that were being threatened, which was the LGBT rights Ghana place, by shutting the space down and causing several members of the community to be on the run. There was a basically a witch hunt for the next month on the radio. People saying, if you know any of these LGBTQ members and where they stay, let us know so we can go and pick them up. Um, I had to host one person for a couple of days till they found a place to go. And there's people who are still kind of not even living where they want to or are supposed to be living right now. Since then, those have been the repercussions. And because of the way they were treated mistreated by the state it further emboldened the average Ghanaian who is colonially homophobic as well as these groups and even a journalist group called anti-lgbt journalists wow. so there's a group of journalists <laughs> which have graduated from ghana institute of journalism it's like 20 plus and they are they formed an anti-lgbt coalition so i don't know what is meant to do like are they supposed to just report negative news about mm. lgb like how do you form it it's very strange that's crazy and of course <laughs> a bunch of ministers have come together to also and of course they are being guided by this moses f amwanin and his group which is the coalition for proper human reproductive rights or whatever it's called and basically for the past 14 weeks they have been drafting an anti-LGBT advocacy bill, which is similar. If you are following what's going on in Hungary, in Hungary now, they're not allowed to like read any paraphernalia, any literature with LGBT stuff. And there's so much like restrictions and, um, and penalties and fines for doing anything pro-LGBT in Hungary. And I guess this is where um, Ghanaians, the Ghanaian parliamentarians are trying to take us as well. In the interim of them writing or designing this bill, 
21 paralegals and within the LGBTQ community were at a two-day seminar in a hotel conference room in Ho, which is in the Volta region. And that's why I, I said I went there mm-hmm. and to check on them after they were arrested. But a journalist, a group of journalists, led the police into this space to arrest mm. the 21 people. They were arrested for a vague crime called unlawful assembly and for 22 days they were held in jails in various jails spread around the town um, in very bad conditions and um, drove some of them to near suicide some of them lost their jobs some of them were told by their family members they were outed from this incident and their family members told them not to come back home so it's been like basically a bomb was thrown in the middle of the community Mm. by this action um, some of them were teachers in that very town. The reason they were denied bail at least thrice by the state was that they lived, a very foolish reason, that because they lived in different, they, d- they did not all come from that town, and um, it would be hard to get them back together to trial, which was major BS, because since then they have made bail thanks to their new lawyer, because the lawyer before that was trash. Mm-hmm. But their new lawyer, she's amazing, and of course the LGBTQ community, rights Ghana, and the rest that like brought the whole team together and were really like going there almost every day. It's like a five-hour trip one way, and the roads are bad, and there's a lot of traffic, and it's it's a dangerous road anyway, as m- most roads in Ghana. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so basically they got out. Um, and the reason the state was saying they were not going to give them bail was because they're saying they, c- they wouldn't come to court but since they've been out they've called them to court twice to just adjourn their case and they've showed up so them saying they wouldn't have showed up shown up was trash they just wanted to keep them there punished for no reason you mm. know and so now they're still calling them they still haven't closed their case instead of dismissing it they're still holding on saying they are doing further investigations they were trying to get into their phones without permission asking without um cons- like legal permission mm-hmm. they're trying to get them to give them their passwords to see if they could find any incriminating evidence on their phones and i don't know what they're trying to look for but um they have no case on them. Mm-hmm. These were just 21 people meeting. The only thing they have is the books they were reading from and sharing. Books about loving your gay children and so on and so forth. Just like, But that's not illegal, sh- is it? Yeah, humanitarian. But that is what they are now working on to make illegal. Mm. So um, if, these, if these, this bill is passed and brought into law, I, as well as all the... LGBTQ, like um, vocal people about LGBTQ rights, will be now criminals, if not potential criminals, if we don't take down in retro um, as well, I'm sure, mm-hmm. all our postings in support of the community. So it's a very dangerous time for, especially now that even anti corruption activists in Ghana are being shot and killed. And there's no repercussions. There's no investigations being done. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so crazy. I'm like, sure. It's just yeah, a huge breach of human rights. 
And right. I mean, wasn't the president working in human rights before? He was a human, he rights, a human lawyer. rights lawyer. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. It, it just seems a huge, like a huge hypocrisy almost. It seems, yeah, yeah, but it seems like he's pr- it seems like he's pressured because it, you, as you said before, like the government were okay with them opening the community centre. They they gave them the go ahead to do it, but it seems like now that the public has you know got onto it, they're under immense pressure to backtrack and to be on that side. Yeah, and I no, no, the government power. the government did not give the go ahead, and they do not have to give the go ahead under the constitution. Um, there was nothing, and there is still nothing illegal about such a center. Mm-hmm. It was just like you're saying, the public pressure from these coalition. Mm. And, and these the churches the main churches they are like the worst oppressors mm-hmm. of human rights in ghana especially lgbtq rights yeah and so of course now it's it is beginning you see what is happening is majority of ghanaians who do not know that their homophobia is colonial um they are they were quite in favor of this place being shut down they were happy the 21 were arrested majority of ghanaians but it's because we haven't had the right education to help us to deduce and to protract the future Mm -hmm. Um, the next group of people going to be targeted are women um, which are hetero women because mainly because now um, the same person who is the speaker of parliament who is the head of this anti-lgbt bill has also voiced that he's pro-life and you know pro-life is anti-abortion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yep. the next step is to make abortion criminal and then this next step after that is to address improper dressing of women so <laughs> we're just slowly going in that direction but we do not know and so now mm. people that are quote-unquote straight let especially let's say women who are very strong so homo as homophobic the next thing gonna happen is that if they go and dye their hair cut their hair short and dye it a certain color mm-hmm. the police can just pick them up on suspicion of being lgbt how do you prove you are not a lesbian mm-hmm. or anything and this is a big space in a country that is deep in poverty these are huge grounds for police to use to extort money from the average citizen mm-hmm. the average anybody is just hey you look like lgbt i'm yeah. going to arrest you yeah bring money and that will be it and nobody will be free even a guy who's dressed so-called prim and proper and looks too neat to be a yeah. hetero guy they'll collect from you anybody mm. could be targeted yeah yeah, yeah they're just opening they're setting the grounds to make everybody be able to fall within these mm. vague brackets it's crazy because even people who are for this cause and they also want to back the homophobic laws, they will end up being caught in it if they just look yes. wrong to the to the right. Yes, mm. they're not looking two steps. They're just looking mm-hmm. like at them at to right now their feet. Yeah. They're not looking ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Right. They're walking and looking at their feet. That's how they move. Do you know what you said that? Um, it, you know, a lot of this is to do with like Ghanaians not being educated. But it's funny because like we were online, you know, we, t- we tweet about what's going on. We try to raise as much awareness as we can. And when we come into like engagement with Ghanaians online and we do tell them like, you know, this is part of colonialism. It's like they just don't like they, it doesn't enter. 
it doesn't enter the brain. There's a commitment it to misunderstanding. Basically. There's a commitment to misunderstanding. There's a commitment to the homophobia. Nothing matters. This is so irrational. So I just feel like even if, you know, like people were to be educated, there's still like, I just yeah. feel, there's you know. too late for like even the youth. There has to be the children that are, edu- yeah, are re- educated in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it starts from the very beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Starts from the very, very beginning. And so I really, yeah, I don't spend too much energy nowadays. Like, I do a lot of blocking on Instagram mm. and Twitter. <laughs> I do not engage yeah. people, especially the people who are just inside my anus. Like, mm-hmm. the first thing they write. It's like, by now, look at your anus. By now, go and see how your anus That's is That's all shaped. they care about. That's why yeah. they always say that. It's like, they don't know about relationships that are not based even on sex. Mm-hmm. You know, all they do is call my... people trumo, trumo, trumo. That's, yeah. all they, that's yeah. what they be saying. Yeah. So they are like really, they are more fixated in people's anuses than anybody. Right. I find them to be perverse because that's what they think that we are because, you know, all they think about is sex, but I find them to be yeah, more perverse. Yeah, and of anyway. course, the guys who are um sexual predators and are always touching on people without their permission mm-hmm. they right. are the most bothered by um gay people having their rights because they feel gays are also going to start touching on them without permission you know wow well we, we like put into the universes do. where you get back out of it this yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so they are yeah. scared it's, it's like racism is like in america you know mm-hmm. it's like why people put up all this security around them mm-hmm. and all these laws because they're afraid black people are gonna in the middle of the night come back and take what they took from them but look what mm. happened on capitol hill it was the white people right. black people have never stormed capitol hill mm-hmm. yeah exactly anyway so exactly so with your yeah. activism i think when the when the 21 people were initially arrested that's where I saw like you were very vocal on Twitter, especially, and lots of people were retweeting your tweets, and you know a lot of people getting information from you as well. And how for you mm-hmm. as a as one man, how does that make you feel? Like, is there some sort of fear behind this as well? Because essentially, you are kind of putting yourself out there as um, in the front of a fight that the majority of Ghanaians don't want. So, that, what how, how does that make you feel? And like, how? Do you when you leave your house every single day, like do you have some sort of fear within you as well? That's the thing that actually makes me feel shame because I have I have no fear because I'm protected by my story and my background. I am a hetero male. The country knows me as this superstar promiscuous guy mm-hmm. who has nine children. And so it's only on the internet that people are harsh mm-hmm. and vile towards me. But when they meet me in public, they're taking selfies. Yeah. Um, when I went to the jails, to the various jails around who to visit um, the 21, when I went to where most of the guys were being held, one policeman who just saw me in the street and just started talking to me, and he took me around the whole place and was I had access everywhere. When we walk going into the jail, like the actual jail where all the guys were, um, another policeman who did not know me was like, oh, you've got another one of them, right? Because of the way I'm dressed, because I wear mm. mini skirts. And the guy's like, oh, you don't know this guy? Even if you bring your own wife, he'll <laughs> serve, you know? So, <laughs> um, 
the same thing I'm fighting also protects me. Mm. And I feel this is the least I can do. But at the same time, I have to find a survival balance. It's not like I w- I'm I one thing is I will never like hold my tongue for mm. hu- human rights. But um as to physically put myself in danger, I will actually have to really look for it to get it. I don't mm. feel like it's actively coming to me. Except that on another side I speak against government corruption a lot and people have started being shot that are doing this mm. and so that is where it's m- i feel it's more dangerous for me mm-hmm. yeah uh, it reminds me of like bob marley and fella you know the people that's that's you know spoke out about like political uh corruption and injustices as well like and that's what i've listened to some of your music as well and it really you know there's parallels to like the music as well and just the approach to, to your life, to lifestyle and everything. Yeah. You see, but I, I am at this place in my life. I'm trying to figure this one thing out. It's like the psychology of it is feels like it's a loop. You know, I feel that we who speak against corruption and have a, v- a loud voice, or have a lot of people listening, are actually helping the corruption. I say that because if I'm if I can, I'm able to put myself in other people's situations and to an extent. So if I'm sitting in my room or whatever is like qualifies to be a room and I'm in a state of poverty mm-hmm. and I'm fed up and I see what's going on with the corruption with president um now paying finding a way to get salaries for their wives for just being first and second ladies and money to buy extra cars millions and millions of dollars to just buy cars and have back pay since 2017 and all this craziness and i feel like i want to go outside and burn something down and do something violent that will make them retreat from this corruption at least momentarily when this person hears my voice of me saying we must do this to them they are corrupt we must jail them i feel like i take some of their steam away and they feel like okay that guy with the voice is also feels like me so wait maybe i can just relax a bit and something is gonna work out because he just said something about it and by all means they're hearing him but they never listen the people in corrupt positions that are enjoying the corruption never listen to the voices they only react to the people Mm -hmm. and what the people do like the la riots Mm -hmm. like the medina adenta road riots anytime the people go out and destroy something or impede the currency the flow that is when laws are changed or adapted momentarily or whatever. And so I question my role in the system as being a contributing factor. It's different in the case of um, the LGBT rights because that's like 
fighting for an immediate visible tangible like you have to release them we have mm. to release them make noise so they are released that's a different kind of activism but when you're just constantly saying these people are corrupt these people are bad this person chopped this money you become more like an advertisement for their extravagance and for their impunity you are just another media house just reporting the news from a different angle Mm -hmm. and you are making the people who are ready to tear stuff down you are making them relax and Mm -hmm. so i'm entering a phase where my music is more instructional than informational i'm i'm not going to be relaying the news of what's happening i'm going to make songs that say bend this down mm-hmm. destroy this do this do it like this design the system let's do this let's do that not hey this is what's happening hey this is what's going on like i'm not going to be some town crier anymore and that's what i feel is going to make put my life in f- in real danger than mm. because till now i'm seen as a clown in a skirt you know that's how they see me this oh you're talking about the corruption okay so what we are here chewing our kebab in our air condition mm. Mm. You, you said something about being like you know privileged your background and you've been straight and stuff because like obviously we we we've been to ghana do you know what i'm saying we went to ghana the last time was 2018 and for us it was like people would mind their business. There might be a few looks here and there because we pre- we present masculine. You know, I, I mean, we wear masculine clothes. We wear like clothes for the boys section. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, people were minding their business. You know, and I we saw people from the LGBT community getting on with everyone. You know, they're outside enjoying themselves and what have you. And you know, since this has happened, we haven't seen that a lot of them speak up and. I mean, totally understand because their lives would be at risk. You know, they're queer. Um, mm-hmm. They might not have the means. They might not be rich. So there's that as well. Um, and it just is it, such a hard one because like, it seems like right now there's just going to be people going into hiding. Even us as, you know, um, Ghanaians, but we're, you know, British Ghanaians, we cannot go to Ghana. Like we cannot, it wouldn't be wise for us to go to Ghana. And it's something that we have thought about, even though we've got a British passport, it still doesn't do anything. It doesn't anything. even feel right. You know, we're not safe. It doesn't even feel right. It doesn't right feel going. right, first of all. And it, it doesn't yeah. feel safe. You know, yeah. it doesn't feel safe. Yeah. And I saw your in, I saw one of your videos where you said somebody came from abroad and they kept them in the airport for like one or two hours wow. asking hour, yeah. about their sexuality. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then after posting that on Twitter, one doctor enima ejapon who is really like i'm sure maybe you guys have heard of her already Mm -hmm. she's one of the the members of the silent majority and rightify ghana i believe and um she's quite like at the forefront of lgbtq ghana issues yeah yeah she says it's been happening to her for years that they hold her at the airport and talk about her sexuality so are you a boy or a girl yeah so um it's i definitely a dangerous combination right now of of people being aware 
that the government does not care or is actually antagonistic to the LGBT community, whilst they are also in poverty, the average person can take advantage of somebody who is in the wrong environment that appears to have something like a nice phone or money on them or something and they can mob you as being a gay person hey this person is gay hey hey and just to make noise a distraction to rob you and that is what the government recently did with all this noise around the lgbtq bill the anti-advocacy bill whilst people are like yeah yeah it's very good what the government is doing they passed about two or three things which one of them being salaries for the first and second lady which is unheard of mm-hmm. and <laughs> they've passed um, about 30 million dollars for cars for all the members of council of states so each of the cars is like a hundred and something thousand dollars so that's like crazy. in the middle of all this they use it as a distraction to steal so that's on a political level and on the average Ghanaian living in poverty level when a uh, elite or appeared to be better off LGBT person is walking by in a poor environment or neighborhood, mm-hmm. an advantage will be taken to rob you and use LGBT as a cover. And then for the biggest minority or for the most marginalized minority, which is LGBT Ghanaian and poor and living in Ghana, nothing like you can't get on a trot trot you can't talk back to anyone if you go and buy fruits and the woman looks at you and just suspects something clear about you she can give you the rotten mangoes mm. if you raise your voice or say you won't buy the whole market to fire you mm-hmm. so on the very basic level of life your landlord can charge you more than the next person because if you raise your voice so mm-hmm. the average lgbt Ghanaian person is going through hell right now because of the temperature to which these churches and the government and the colonial legacy has currently raised the threat level Mm -hmm. upon the lgbtq community yeah even even speaking to some of the people that we met some of the lgbt people we met in ghana they just they just seem kind of defeated right now they just you know, going outside is not really an option, or if they do, they really have to, like come at, pretend basically to be something that they're not. Yeah, and you know, even doing, even just doing that, the mental toll that takes to pretend to be something else, yeah. body somebody else, is really it's just difficult. Even that, it's wow. the, it's a, you're in your, it's like you're in prison within your own body at the same time. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, wow. um, you know, like just speaking to them, like I have to go outside and pretend I'm a woman the whole day. Mm, yeah imagine just buy bread mm-hmm. and come back imagine imagine that like just the mental toll the mental, that takes yeah. on you yeah literally it's, it's crazy it's crazy even um uh, the one thing that I, I also understand but it's just like is the celebrities in Ghana who I'm sure mix oh, with God. queer people all the time when you think about fashion Stylist. and music oh, stylists all of this stuff the you know the gay community a lot of them were creative people they're just naturally 
I'm just like they they're not speaking up for any it's silent it is silent my auntie yeah. is Stephanie Benson who is he, she lives in the UK um but I saw her speak oh, okay. on uh, do a video yeah, for the LGBT cool. rights yeah she's, yeah, she's cool. lovely I haven't seen much I have not seen much yeah it is pure it's like double slavery you know because most of Ghana is again colonially homophobic now these are artists most of these successful artists have already aligned themselves with certain brands and companies who the director of is in some christian church or is it this or that you know and their brands associated more with churchism than anything else mm -hmm. you know all these musicians go to a certain church and so on and so forth and we know religion is super homophobic no matter how we present it like religion is patriarchal and scared of the feminine energy and other energy so um these musicians or whatever they are are just like coward slaves you know because they already have these masters they are serving within the structures of brands and religion and so they themselves if they are not themselves homophobic then they have this whole fear of sticking their career on the line for a fellow human being and at the same time when we look at the lgbtq community that services these musicians it's like you cannot blame most or any for continuing to work for these people as makeup artists, as designers, as interior, because they are in survival mode, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if they're like, hey, why didn't you speak up about me when you're asked about the LGBT thing? Why aren't you helping fight for my people? If the person's like, man, you're giving me trouble, I'm going to fire you. Where are they going to get another job? You know, mm -hmm. and so it's just a lot of disappointment from the in in that direction towards these musicians. It's huge, and towards these politicians and all these people. There's like they're so hypocritical. They have no spine. They travel to other countries. They meet with LGBT actors and business people and oh. stuff from all over the world. And they do transactions with them, smile, sit, meet with them, drink with them. And then they oppress their own brothers and sisters back home. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's super hypocritical. And the fact that they can live with that is also linked to religion. The fact that we can pretend to fear or love or whatever a certain god and we are constantly doing everything which these religions say we should not do because there's this past where you can just ask for forgiveness and keep going and so on and so forth it's like there's we live in perpetual hypocrisy and so we have a special place to put or we have a huge special place where we can pack all our shame and not have to face it even probably our whole life because we've developed this traumatic response to being living hypocrites yeah yeah do you know i just i just remember when you were speaking about the musicians and 
everyone that where I remember during the pandemic we had like a clubhouse room and there were some Ghanaian artists that came and they wanted to speak about LGBT but it was more to stand in solidarity and I remember one of them the manager was in the back and the manager basically said oh no 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 stop 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 but and it just reminds me of it just it makes me feel that maybe there are people that actually want to speak up but the team that they have around them are not in support and it also uh, was also reminded by people that have even moved from here this country to now go and live in Ghana and they are oppressing Ghanaian LGBT there's somebody who spoke up against um the LGBT community that, that this person is Danny Wonders Danny his Wonders. name is Danny Wonders Danny, Danny Wonders he's from the UK he's gone to okay Ghana there's also and... Clement Apak who is also trash he's a mm-hmm. minister mm. he was working in UC Davis in California at the university and after living and UC Davis is right by San Francisco it's not mm. that far and after living there for about a decade he moved back to Ghana and is one of the members and the lead ministers on this um anti LGBT advocacy bill like how dare so they it's, yeah that's what I'm talking about the hypocrisy mm. we have found a way it's it's a remnant it's the aftershock of colonialism we mix with these religions and we live in constant hypocrisy to where we can just betray each other and not feel anyhow about it. And that's what's constantly going on. It's mm. it's mad. And like I said, you saying the management stopped this artist from speaking up. That's what I mean by the slavery. Mm-hmm. It's like people don't really own themselves. Yeah. Once they join these kind of brands or management groups and stuff, they're just slaves. Mm-hmm. But there's not enough. There's not enough prison cells for everybody so if mm. everybody spoke up the only thing i can think of is you know these police getting their guns out that's that's the only yeah, thing I can you're think saying of. that but the church has recently built three huge prison facilities in what Ghana. what does the business Massive. the church have business doing building prisons <laughs> yeah they want to start arresting lgbtq people and putting them in there so the, the, i think that the constant that's what's going on focus on the lgbt community by the churches is just wild to me there's so many other issues to be focusing on such as pedophilia such as things yep. like that and no no that's the one they enjoy <laughs> they even the enjoy it the most that one but it's just yeah. crazy so just before we even round up um how can we from outside of ghana support lgbt Ghanaians? like what are they looking for us to do and where can we even donate if there's anywhere to donate money to or even just do some I don't know. We were even thinking that maybe we should do some sort of um, protest to the Ghanaian embassy here. But how does that even help Ghanaians if we do that? Nah, you know? This is it. They'll, they'll be standing at the window looking out and they'll probably order order some chips. Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the chips person will come by you and say, excuse me, excuse me, can exactly. I come through? And they'll, they'll walk in and go and give them their chips <laughs> and fish. And they'll be watching you through the window mm-hmm. and it'll probably be raining on you. Um... <laughs> There is like okay, so LGBT rights Ghana are doing a good job. I need to speak with them before I speak further on this, but I know they have this GoFund that they've been doing. I don't know, I know that the the target went up about two or three times. Mm-hmm. Mm. I haven't, I'm not part of the integral team to know what the plans are for the money, mm. but I have had to contact them several times because my DMs quite often I get messages from LGBT youth who are either stranded um, 
someone to leave the country it's just different situations some just want a place to stay they don't know how for s- how for how long someone a job and so on and i refer them often to this group but i'm really considering like an open transparent floating account somewhere online where there's like a group of people that have access to this account and sit down and meet maybe every week to consider certain people's applications and see how best you know to support them directly and quite immediately i know of one person um currently in ghana who is a british ghanaian citizen who was lured to come to ghana um by the parents and now they've seized her passports and because she's dual national the uk embassy is not gonna help her Mm. um they're saying she has to buy a ticket first before they can give her a temporary passport and there's a whole bunch of it's not too clear but something like this if people are on different sides of the pond and have somehow certain know-how at least the financial um, backing to be able to directly deal with these cases one-on-one because lgbt rights ghana a magnificent group but they're themselves being attacked Mm -hmm. and so is their response time to certain people and situations vary you know and so i feel yeah we we need to design some transparent online funding where there's a way to access this especially through these kind of world remit stuff and mm-hmm. forward money to certain people but of course that are able to tell or someone on the ground in ghana one or two people and so on and so forth that can quickly go somewhere with a motorcycle meet the person assess you know the truth factor of this because poverty also gives ways to scams and somebody knows there's this group of people that are helping lgbt someone can just quickly you know find a way to take advantage of that yeah the matter they're also lgbt they need help as well yeah mm. yeah you know and how do you find out if this is true mm-hmm. that's telling the truth like so you need to recruit people who are of the community and are super intelligent which most of yeah. the time you get that combination it's yeah. quite it's not that difficult but that will be on some kind of retainer to be able to have this movement you know to be able to dedicate their time to going around like some social officer you know to check on these various random situations and see how best you know like the body can intervene like something like that needs to set up because yeah there's there's the groups in ghana that are funded by government internationally that should be doing this are actually kind of jealous of the publicity of lgbt rights ghana and so on so there isn't that much networking going on which i find very like how can you be set up to be you know 
uh, a group to support people, marginalized people, and bring your ego along mm-hmm. because yeah. a certain group has more of the limelight than you do. Mm-hmm. You have all the funding. Focus. You are sitting in air-conditioned offices with nice cars, and people, and this group is just a group of youths mm-hmm. which are and th- in the front of the cameras and the microphones because they are brave and because they're doing the work, you know? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're just and trying to live. They're just trying to... So when they refer through. situations to you, you should just respond to the email, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just mm-hmm. respond and do your part. Mm-hmm. You know, are you there to be a star mm. or to help people? Right. They need to focus, so refocus. Yeah, so I think it never hurts to have to keep giving birth to pools of resources that can help, you know, the marginalized in the world. I mean, we can, I mean, you can set it up to help, you know, Ghanaian youths right now, but you may start helping West Africa, you may start helping Eastern Europe, you know, it it may grow. But I feel like the less connections to the person in need, the better. If it can be just one, two, three, finish. No more than that. You know? Mm-hmm. Just one, two, yeah. one, two, three. Maximum steps to help someone. Because right now there's a lot. There's too many steps and there's too many like, I don't know who, let's talk to this person, let's go here. Yeah. Like if I just had this access to this fund, like this person writes me, like I have nowhere to stay, I've been kicked out, I'm on the street. Okay. Um, have some. I'll have somebody going around, or somebody already has a place, and this is the cost, guys. We need that place we found the other time. This is the cost. Let's forward the money to the landlady or whatever. It's a safe space. Bam, it's done. The person has a place. They stay in there. Finished. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, but because yeah. Anyway, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to know, like, the bill that's definitely going ahead. Do you think? Yeah, man, I don't think, I don't think, because it's such an effective tool of distraction for destruction, mm. um, it is going to go ahead. Like, first, they were waving it in the faces of people, and while they were waving in the face, they passed these salaries for the first ladies, and these cars, this $30 million for these luxury SUVs, Land Cruisers or whatever. So now that there's noise again, they're going to raise another, hey, look how far we've come along with the anti-LGBT mm-hmm. stuff. We're mm-hmm. really working hard. And it's going to happen until it's passed. All the clergy is behind it. Um, I don't know if the method, I think recently the Methodist or the Pentecostal clergy in the UK, the Black Methodist, started consecrating um, gay marriages. I don't know if they've come out publicly to say something against Ghana against their anti-LGBT sentiments in Ghana. They need to. Um, They need to. um, But yeah, I feel it's going to... I mean, they've promised the public is going to happen before the year is up. And it's the only time I've seen both sides of the political... I mean, apart from also the luxury cars and ex-Gratia and all these... um, political benefits that they do not protest they are protesting the wife's salary because none of their parties are 
have first wives and 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 power, but um, they don't protest the other perks of the job. Mm. And so when it comes to LGBT, almost all political parties are together. Um. So yeah, and quite recently, um, there's a there's a there's also a group we we need to follow. It's called the EFL, Economic Fighters Leagues. Economic Fighters League, yeah, EFL. They're also doing good work, um, you know, against basically the corruption, and and they have aligned themselves recently with the LGBTQ community because they have come to realize that all oppression affects us all. Yeah. Um. They like the so more. I think the more groups that come together just to uplift and show some support the better yeah essentially yeah and there's also humanists the humanist group of ghana i think that's what they're called and so yeah i mean supporting these groups also in a way supports in the long run our the lgbtq plus community but i feel we need some kind of emergency fund situation because it's life and death for people who are ostracized by their family or just lose their job because they've just been outed or something and the next couple of days is super vital in their life and could become traumatic forever for them and stepping in at that moment to offer comfort and especially most of all financial comfort above everything as well as communicable comfort because sometimes they i mean as soon as i respond to and i i respond immediately to a lot of dms that are in this um, regard and um people get energy from just knowing that somebody's on the other side of the line because they feel alone in that time and so if the next step is being able to offer security um yeah definitely yeah man. so i feel that's that's a very necessary step yeah. to set up such a an emergency you know stash yeah for sure man for sure thank you so much for sharing and thank you for like giving us your experiences as well and letting us learn a b- bit more about yourself and what's happening God, we just feel like it was, it's more important to Cause is it all good us speaking, but we're speaking from the UK, you know? <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, know but much. I'm not in Ghana myself, you know. But I just know you've left. been in Ghana. Yeah, you were. Kind of yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so we, but when we come say. to Ghana, we come at, de- at December for a few weeks, you know. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Definitely. Yeah. So like like Mensa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you just felt a wee bit better to hear, and from people that actually connected somehow, like you know, people on the ground and stuff. So um yeah thank you so thanks a lot for sharing. Um are there any projects you have coming up next where people could watch out for uh, you know look out for coming up next? Music as well. Yeah, I mean I'm Charlie so I'm I'm writing um we've we've written uh um the lyrics to a musical. It's an artist called Ohema Dadao. I think she's one of the best rappers in the world. She's um from Mamprubi. And um, we've written a seven-piece, seven-track musical. Um, now the the question is when we're going to shoot it. 
And um, so that's one project. It's called The Queen and the Kubo Law. And it's basically about like internet scam scammers. There's two friends that are scammers and it's just like a day in their life, uh, two days in their life. And it's a musical. And um, of course, I'm remastering, remixing my albums that I released. Um, most of them are on onelove.com, which is W-A-N-L-O-V.com. But um, I also have it on some of them. The ones that are remastered are already up again on Spotify and the rest. And um, and Fucking Boys is on tour in Europe at the moment. That's my band. Mm-hmm. And um, also in September, September 11th, we're playing a festival in Angoulême. We're bringing 15 artists from West Africa and one from South Africa and to play at this festival. And one of the bands is a seven-piece band, which is all women. Oh, nice. And um, so that's another project we're working on. And there's a lot of stuff going on, but... um. Yeah, of course, and albums that I'm going to be bringing out solo with other people, Rapscallions. There's a bunch of stuff. So if you follow me on One Love on Instagram, W-A-N-L-O-V, you get all the updates there. Mm, Perfect. Uh, Make sure you follow, guys. Make sure you you follow and keep up track everything. So once Mm. again, thanks for for coming through. Um, Everyone that's listening right now, make sure you use the hashtag Tutu's Podcast in conversation on Twitter. And also make sure you follow us on Spotify and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, peace. Peace.